Michelle, your host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. And today on this episode, we have Amanda Chase. And we're talking about a spicy convo, all about the problematic aspects of manifestation. Yikes! Hold on to your butt. This is a wild ride. (laughs) Amanda is the founder of Ocean Creative, which is a creative consultancy and agency. And over the last three years, she's really helped develop some of the biggest brands in the wellness space that you have definitely double-clicked on on Instagram. And while I will definitely have Amanda on to talk about being a creative and making content and being a creative director and producer, at some point, definitely she'll come back. Today's episode was spurred by an Instagram rant that I saw her do. (laughs) I was, you know, totally like blobbing on my couch, scrolling through IG. And I came across Amanda, who's a really good friend of mine, just come and clean about the problematic aspects of manifestation. And I was like, bro, we got to talk about this on the podcast. And she wrote me back and was like, yes, I'm so game. I am getting so many messages from people. She tells a story in this episode. And she knew that she'd struck a chord and that there was a lot more to excavate with this conversation. And, you know, I just want to preface this by saying Amanda and I don't come to any real conclusions in this episode. We wanted to just have a conversation and open up a dialogue around some of the really problematic things that we've seen and the really harmful aspects of manifestation and law of attraction. And like I said, we don't have any answers. And I'm sure we'll actually like you know, we're still figuring out and wrapping our brains around some of these concepts and ideas. But I think at the core, what Amanda talked about on her stories and what we talk about in this episode is putting words to feelings that a lot of people have felt, which is there's something that's just not quite right here that feels a little off, that's a little hanky, that's a little like fishy, and it doesn't feel good. And I'm not sure why. And It's a weird feeling when so many people are so into something and just ravenous about it and so excited by it. And you feel like there's something off because you feel like there's something wrong with you. And you're like, well, this isn't bothering anyone else. Then I must be the problem. And so I think why so many people responded to Amanda was because they were realizing that they weren't alone and that they weren't the problem. And that's really liberating. So we just wanted to open this conversation up to more people and maybe help you feel less alone. You know, the intention is not to like villainize law of attraction or manifestation, not necessarily. (laughs) It's also not to like pour out cups of haterade because that's not what we do here. It's just to open up a discourse and to have a conversation between two friends. So it gets a little off the cuff about what we've experienced and what we see. And I just want to say, I think that there are some really helpful aspects of what gets taught in law of attraction and manifestation circles. I think that positive thinking can be really helpful unless it turns into toxic positivity. I think that journaling and meditating and inner child work and shadow work and excavating the self and understanding your unconscious mind and especially things like unconscious bias is so useful. And like, Yo, I love spiritual shit. Like, look at me. Come on. I'm clearly into this stuff. I am the target audience. And where manifestation feels weird and gets into uncomfortable territory for me and territory that really makes me shy away from it and even using the word manifestation is when it posits 
that if you're not getting what you want, then you're not doing the work. You're not doing the work enough. Or that your success or someone's success is linked to their spiritual evolution or to their self-actualization. So for the first example of if you're not getting what you want, you're not doing the work, you can't like, okay, okay, sure. Maybe that works in some situations and maybe that's true in some situations, but it's not true in all situations. You can't say that to a single mom who lives below the poverty line. You can't say that if you know, you're know you not positive thinking enough and that's why you can't afford to feed your kids tonight because that victim blames and shames someone who's a victim of structural oppression and basically says, well, if you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps, this wouldn't be your problem. You must not want it hard enough. And so your being poor, your experience of marginalization is your fault. And I just don't believe that. I refuse to believe that, that that is the empathetic, compassionate, evolved way to look at the world. And I understand the difference between enabling and empowering. I understand what it is to empower people to have some self-awareness or to like want to move forward in the world. I get what empowerment is, but to me, that language is really gaslighting and victim blaming. And even if you don't explicitly say that, implicitly, often that's what law of attraction teaches or what some teachers of law of attraction teach. And so really the answer is not that like you need to positive think your way out of this or you need to like do more, you need to like be more expanded (laughs) in order to get your thing. It's that we need to have a system in society that actually supports the community and people. And with community care, we can help elevate each other because this isn't just an individual game. We're all connected. We're all in this together. And yes, definitely take care of yourself and do self-work because that is really important. And don't forget about your community while you're doing all this self-work. At the end of the day, we have to look out for each other. And the other thing that manifestation says sometimes and has sort of been misconstrued with is that if you're wealthy, if you have quote unquote success, or if you accumulate more things, or if you have more material objects like the Mercedes and the Gucci loafers and the house in Malibu and whatever, that that means that you're evolved. It's like you're a vibrational match. And when you raise your vibration, all of a sudden you're a vibrational match for these things and these things can't help but come to you. And first off, like since when has the vibration of a Mercedes Benz been like high. (laughs) I don't understand that. Just like, I don't understand that, but that maybe I'm dense, (laughs) but also, you know, you can be wealthy, you can have wealth and still not be an evolved person. And just because you are evolved doesn't mean that you are going to have wealth. (laughs) Like they don't have anything to do with each other. And to equate them to each other, to say like, oh, once you self-actualize, then money will flow to you easily is just like, that's not the whole story. And that's not true. And to also say that you'll have happiness, you know, when you self-actualize, you'll have all these material things and that will make you happy. Almost equating the material things to your happiness is also false. And it sets people up for despair, (laughs) And that like 
thriving and, and striving in order to pull ourselves higher up, right? And the reality is like, no material thing is going to make you happy. Yes, material things can make you more comfortable. They can make aspects of your life easier. For example, having healthcare makes your life a lot easier, for sure. Or like having money to have like a private doctor come to your house. Yeah, that'll definitely make your life a lot easier, especially during COVID. That alone isn't what makes you happy. And it gets so complex and convoluted. And I know not all teachers are teaching manifestation and law of attraction this way, but so many are. And so many are through the implicit nature of the way that they teach and the way that they project themselves in the world. And I think that that's the crux of this conversation. And again, this isn't like... you know, hexing people who practice manifestation, far from it. But I do hope that it opens up maybe some pathways to conversation, maybe some elements that you haven't thought of if this is something that you've taught or practiced in the past. So with that, I'm going to let the episode run and I'm really keen to hear what you think of it and yeah, your thoughts. And I think that's it. Okay. Here's the episode. Okay. Yeah. So it's not it. (laughs) I have listened to this intro like five times and um, here's the thing like every time I record an episode I record it in advance obviously because I'm trying to be good over here and um, it's like it keeps cooking you know after I have a conversation or I record something it's like my brain's a piece of sourdough bread and it's just even when you take it out of the oven it keeps cooking you know Like, you know, you're supposed to leave sourdough bread for like an hour because it keeps cooking after you take it out of the oven. It's crazy. You're not supposed to cut into it, which is so difficult if you're making it at home because it smells so good. But anyways, I digress uh, thinking about carbs because we had this conversation uh, a while ago with Amanda and she's so great. And then I was able to have some more conversations about manifestation with some other really smart people. And... Then I listened to this intro like five times, as I mentioned, and I was like, oh, there's just so much that I want to say that I didn't say. And I think I have to just kind of be okay with that. Also have to be okay with it because I cannot send a new, I cannot ask my editor to to let me record a new intro. He will kill me. So I'm adding this little addendum postcard thing. Postcard? No, I meant post it, but we can go with postcard. Uh, into this intro because there are some things that I missed that I just want to acknowledge that I missed and before you get into the episode and I'm sorry that it's making it a little bit longer if you want to fast forward like a couple minutes you'll hit the good stuff which is a combo with Amanda but a couple things that I wanted to say first and foremost uh, this is like only the beginning this is the tip of the iceberg and I'm so glad to be opening this con- this idea this discourse with Amanda because of her unique perspective because she was sort of like embedded in this world, helped create it, create the marketing and the branding around it, which is so key to the idea of manifestation, especially in the way that we're talking about it, being something that's really attractive and desirable. And um, our natural sort of like ideas and preferences for ableism, (laughs) which are that when people are beautiful and have lovely branding and uh, are thin and look a certain way and have a certain beauty standard, we want to be like them. And that's our own 
ableism that exists and that's showing up. And that's just an interesting thing to note for ourselves. Like if you think about people like influencers and celebrities and who we follow, like that definitely comes out for a lot of us. I'm totally digressing here. But I want to acknowledge that while this is a great place to start and there's so much in this conversation with Amanda that I'm so happy we got to talk about. It's also just the tip of the iceberg. And Amanda and I are both so limited in our perceptions and our experiences, especially because we're really privileged white women. And that's not to discount any hardship that Amanda has gone through in her life by any stretch of the imagination, but we do hold privilege because of the bodies and identities that we have. So, um, I just want to say that, that we're limited in our, in our conversation here. And so what we talk about really comes from Amanda's experience. And I'm really grateful that she was able to share that with us. And I want to have more of these conversations and talk more about this idea of manifestation and law of attraction and how it can be harmful with people who have different identities and have different experiences. And I think that that's really important. So this is only the beginning I mean, if you like it, if you don't like it, then okay, I'll never talk about this again and I'll just shut up. But if you like this and you want to hear more, then that's my intention is to talk more about this from different angles. And just, you know, I I feel like I use this metaphor a lot, but like imagine if you're holding a crystal in your hand and, and holding it up to the light and sort of as you twist it and you see it from different angles, different facets get lit up. You see different elements of it and each facet is true each way, like each twist of your hand is, it's still the crystal in your hand. You're just seeing it from different perspectives and you're getting more of a 360 idea. You're getting more, more truth, more information. And that helps you understand the three-dimensional nature of that crystal or that thing that you're holding. And it's the same thing with any concept, right? Like the more information we can get around it, the more we can hold it up to the light and see it from different facets through different lenses, the more truth we find. So, um, this is one facet. This is one perspective. And <laughs> yeah, I want to have more, many more conversations about th- many more, many, many more conversations about this. And I also think that there's so much nuance and complexity to this topic. And that's why it needs and deserves more than just this one perspective and good place to s- such a good place to start. And I'm so excited for you to listen and hear more about Amanda's experience, but yeah, um, again, there's nuance and complexity here and we couldn't possibly acknowledge all of that nuance and complexity in an hour long episode of a podcast. Uh, so hopefully we'll get the opportunity to share more with you and gosh, and talk more about the things that are wrapped up in this, you know, things like the prosperity gospel and, uh, white supremacy and how that sh- shows up in manifestation and law of attraction culture and appropriation and, um, the, uh, centering the individual, which is, you know, rooted in capitalism, which asks us to prioritize ourselves and our well-being over the well-being of our communities and how all of this is related to, the, man- the problematic ma- aspects of manifestation culture that we're talking about today. And I also want to acknowledge that, like, I, and I hope I said this enough times, but I just want to hammer it home. Not all people who teach manifestation and law of attraction are problematic or are teaching it in a problematic way. And I, Wallace sent me this really great video of someone called Wholehearted Coaching on Instagram. Her name is, let me look, hold on, hold on. Her name is Sharon Escandani. 
and she's a coach and it looks like she talks a little bit about manifestation, but her video says, you know, manifestation isn't false positivity or spiritual bypassing or buy in for white folks only. It's actually healing trauma and ideas and tools that originated in BIPOC culture. And I thought that that was so astute and obvious. And I just wanted to call it out that like so many spiritual tools and ideas and philosophies have been appropriated and misinterpreted and bastardized and whitewashed um, by white people. And that's white supremacy at play. So this isn't even sometimes what we're talking about in this podcast episode when we're saying manifestation and law of attraction, we're, we're talking about, you know, these whitewashed versions, these almost untrue versions of it, right? And I just wanted to point that out and acknowledge that it's another example of why it's so important to do the work, quote unquote, do the work or and be in acknowledgement of like how everything is connected, how the political and uh, the activist and the spiritual all are in one, right? Like they cannot be, from my mind, they cannot be separated. Um, they show up all the time in each other and they inform our understanding of each other. So I wanted to call that out and acknowledge that. So you can go follow, follow Wholehearted Coaching if you want to learn more about that. I don't know her. She seems great. Um, but I just really loved that video. and wanted to share that. And I think that's it. I mean, I, I said it, but the intention of this episode was is never to make anyone feel bad. And I hope that that comes through. I'm giving you a big hug and I hope you feel seen and understood. Uh, that was the goal here. And maybe feel less alone. And um, And I also hope that this opens up a dialogue that we can have around the good that exists in, in the spiritual tools that I that are out there and also how those spiritual tools can be manipulated and like kind of fuck things up. Whew. Okay. So I can't wait to hear what you think. <laughs> I am really trying to release to like unclench my butthole and like not be such a perfectionist about this. Cause like I want it to include all the things and all the perspectives. And I know that it just can't because it's like a one hour episode of a podcast. Huh. So, um, so that, that's me unclenching my butthole and just letting this go and acknowledging that you know that I know I'm human and I'm not perfect. And uh, thank you for the grace that you always afford me. And I'm going to try and extend a little bit of that grace to myself in this moment. So thank you. And I can't wait to hear what you have to think. All right. Bye. Hi, Amanda. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy to be recording with you. <laughs> we just sat and talked for like two hours. Everyone, this is Amanda Chase. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I have been a huge fan of the podcast since Michelle launched it, and it's just so fun to be on here today. Stop it. You're making me blush. Amanda and I are really good friends, and we've been really good friends for now. It's kind of a long time. I think so, like three or four years. I think actually Maybe probably five now? Closer to like four and a half. Yeah, four and a half, five. Yeah. Which is wild. And we met through weird circumstances because someone I went to high school with told me that I should meet you. Mm -hmm. And then we ran into each other at some weird wellness event. Mm -hmm. And we've been friends since. Yeah. And I became a subscriber. Oh, yes. A holisticism subscriber in the OG days when I was taking everyone out to coffee and being like, do you want to be on my email yep. list? 
Yep. And it was like your fourth like matcha date that you had that day. And we met in West Hollywood at Moon Juice. Oh, TBT. And just chatted it up. And then we launched a surf club. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Our ill-fated surf club. The Bad Surfers Club. Bad I still have the club. handle on Instagram. And I think I could make something out of it. But yeah. Yeah. We, we've, done a, we've, we've done a lot. We've done a lot. We've done a lot. And I'm really happy that you're on the podcast. I'm just like, I love you. So I'm so happy to just be chatting with my homie. Amanda's a manifester and I'm a projector. And I feel like that is a necessary component to just highlight as to why we have such friend chemistry. Yes, it is very powerful. She gets to see all the systems and I get to like (laughs) help push it off into like you know, a whole nother direction, like a whole, like a force behind it. Amanda is, you're definitely like my barometer for whether something's going to be good or not. If you get excited about something, I'm like, okay, this is a good idea. (laughs) Yes. Good. (laughs) See, we have that chemistry. Protect your manifesto. Everybody needs one. (laughs) Yeah. And we've taught classes together. We've done a lot. We have. We've like fallen in love with the wellness space, fallen out of love with Mm -hmm. the wellness space. But you're like very much more, you have an amazing resume. I mean, from the outside, your resume is amazing. You've had some pretty incredible experiences working for wellness brands. I have. Yeah. I, from a pretty young age, I had a lot of big goals for my life. Mm -hmm. And those were, you know, going to specific schools, getting certain internships, working for certain companies. And I just would keep going until I reached, you know, the brand I wanted to work with or reach the goal that I wanted to achieve. So I've worked very, very hard for the past 15 years to, you know, be able to have the type of experience to get those types of jobs with those people. So a lot of hard work. And like, I'm so grateful that I had a dream at a very very young age Mm -hmm. and that I had a lot of energy and willpower to like go after it. And that's, you know, one thing we can talk about. Big manifestor energy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Big manifestor energy. And so, yeah, I worked for some of the most, the top wellness brands that we all know about today. (laughs) And that's why Amanda's on the podcast today because- First and foremost, I love a good Instagram rant. I went on an Instagram rant last night (laughs) and I saw your Instagram rant like two days ago and I was like, Amanda, you need to come on the podcast and talk about this. So recap for the folks at home who maybe missed the IG and oh yeah, where can they follow you on Instagram? So funny enough, both Michelle and I have updated our Instagram handle like almost on the the same same, week. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I did it on Monday, I think like, or I just, yeah. I did mine, I think yesterday, but because I was on an IG live and I asked a question to someone and they pronounced my previous Instagram handle, which was me, Amanda C as Amanda. I was like, (laughs) oh no, this is not good. Like there was no one could understand that there was a, the word Amanda in Uh there. And that's uh like me, Amanda C, which so that was like, it was like, you know, there was a moment for quippy IG mm-hmm. handles. It was like when we were getting off AIM, like we were like the, the millennials were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my IG used to be like, and Pelazon says, like I was typing, See? See? right. But 
Yeah, now it's like, just what's your name? What's yes. your name? What's we your real name? We just need names. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the names are already taken. There's like, <laughs> I was like scrolling. I'm like, Amanda Chase. There's like a million Amanda Chases. And they like, I was like, I don't want one with numbers. Right. So my new Instagram handle is Amanda L. Chase. What does the L stand so for? So classic. Amanda Lee. L-E-E. That's cute. I love Lee or May as a middle name. Oh, yeah. Like, so I think classic. those are really cute middle names. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. So on Amanda L. Chase. Yes. On IG. You popped off. I do. Yes. I, (laughs) when I get an inkling of something that kind of like makes me feel a certain way, like I get very passionate about it or I feel like I'm like ready to talk about something. I just go on my Instagram now. I love it because you have been very quiet on Instagram, like in the past, historically, I would say. Oh, absolutely. You are very proper. You're very appropriate. Like you are the opposite of me. Yes. <laughs> you're yes. like you're like people will be watching this, and I will get jobs based off of how I share this or not. And I'm like, how many curse words can I put into this unprofessional Instagram story? And- I mean, I like wanted that honestly. I was like, I can't keep up with this anymore. And you know, what? it actually first started when I worked for a fashion company in New York City, and. Instagram was kind of new. It was maybe like 2014 and I was sick that morning and I posted on Instagram like a, at the time you just posted anything. Right, <laughs> like right. your post. And so I posted a picture of a green juice. With like a Valencia filter on it. With absolutely. <laughs> or like the New York filter because right. like New York, right? And my boss messaged me and said, you must not be that sick if you can post <gasps> on Instagram. <gasps> And it was at that moment, I was super green. I was young. I was yeah. in my early 20s. Yeah, yeah. That I had known, I had felt that this, my Instagram presence or my social media presence was being watched yep. by my employers or my bosses. Oh, yeah. So it was at that moment that I stopped. Oh, wow. Instead of blocking them, you just were like, I'm going to be good and yes. not use this as, yes. I'm going to use this in a specific way. Yes. Got it. So it was from that moment on that I became very self-aware of that my bosses were watching me. And then after working for that company, I started to work for a fashion blogger and, you know, running her social accounts. And so social media for me and my experience working up in the creative advertising department was a way to promote your brand. It Mm -hmm. was a way to show up and be Mm -hmm. professional. Curated. Very curated. Yep. Yeah, even like the, I feel like fashion bloggers or individuals, I know you worked for someone who like her name was was her yes. brand. Yes. So like even if she's sharing like authentic, quote unquote authentically or vulnerably, it's still like messy. It's still beautiful, right? It's yes. still like aesthetically pleasing or like oh, an yeah. appropriate amount of vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you get to that level, you're now being paid by brands and mm-hmm. companies to create content for them too. Mm-hmm. So it's also part of their business. It's the way they make money. And so I had to take a very serious approach to social media content. And all of those experiences mixed together helped shape my own ability to kind of show up on my own account. And honestly, that type of I'm watching you kind of feeling on my social media happened even when I was a freelancer or a consultant. And so if I posted something, I would be afraid that they'd be like, well, 
why aren't you like working on my project? Mm-hmm. Why oh, are yeah. you working on your own thing? Uh-huh. I've been there before too. You yep. have? Totally. Where you're mm-hmm. like, well, every hour that I live, I can bill technically. This is what mm-hmm. capitalism basically like teaches us, right? That mm-hmm. we're only as valuable as how productive we are. Mm-hmm. And so if you're alive and breathing air, you should be working if you have the capacity to, unless you're almost dying or like you're falling asleep at your computer and then you can take a break. At least that's what I picked up. And so sharing on Instagram, well, if I have the time to share on Instagram or like work on my own projects, then I must have executed those other projects to the nth degree, like the, as best I possibly could. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that I set my business up when I first started freelancing and consulting was retainer. Oh God, the worst. (laughs) So (laughs) anyone who's out there and is a consultant, I have so many thoughts on retainer. Big hug if you have retainer clients and you haven't put boundaries in place of how many hours you're going to be working. Yes. (laughs) And with that, there was this assumption that just as you were saying that, that you just keep working, you just keep going. And another key moment also was when I tore my ACL in January of 2019. So I'd lined up six months of, I think at the time, six or seven, maybe eight retainer clients. That's how long of the contracts we were setting. And when I injured myself in January, knowing that I had to get surgery in February, I had many clients questioning my ability to perform, to be able to show up and work for them and threatening to pull out and not work with me anymore. Publish their names. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I mean, I should, but I can't. Drag them publicly. I know. I was like, Michelle, let's burn it down. And I'm like, well. <laughs> I mean, that is gross. That happens. That is so gross. And this is like... I totally pulled you off topic of what your rant was. But like, this is the problem of wellness capitalism. Yeah. And when wealth masquerades as wellness is when we get this structure where it's all about productivity and the company bottom line and not individuals and humanity and people healing, Mm -hmm. which is if you're in the well-being and wellness space, that's the fucking point, dude. It's like Mm -hmm. to support people's humanity, Mm -hmm. including the people that work with you, especially the people that work with you. Yeah. And at this time I was terrified because I had never had a serious injury before. I was very afraid of stopping working. So Mm -hmm. what actually ended up happening was that I definitely didn't share anything about my injury. Right. Because if I shared anything about that injury. You went full on radio silent for like a while. Like we we barely were even connecting, which I'm, by the way, totally cool with. (laughs) I was going through probably one of the hardest times in my life because I was kind of trying to keep my shit together while everything was falling apart. (laughs) Right. And it was a lot for me to handle. And so when it came to my injury and then posting about or sharing about it, I definitely didn't because I already had clients that were potentially threatening me to not to leave. And I didn't want to go on and talk about how much pain I'm in or what I was actually going through. And it just, that stunted me to be really fully myself for so long. And it actually made my healing progression take on a lot longer because I was not letting myself heal. Like I got out of surgery after the medication started to die down. I was already on my email at seven o'clock at night, day of surgery. And then 10 days later, I hosted a in-person retreat. I remember 
Yeah. I remember. It's like, you can't walk. Like, oh, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. I still hosted it. But that was my mindset back then. Like, right. I was not going to stop. I was not going to allow this injury to take down my life or take down my business. Because at the time, I was so driven to be the creative agency that was going to help all wellness brands. And mm-hmm. I, we were on track to that. But yeah. the universe had other plans. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. So, Okay. That was a great segue. Let's go back to the rant, the IG rant. So actually that was Chef's Kiff's amazing background. So what, you were popping off. What caused it? What happened? What'd you say? I know that you had like 60 plus people DMing you being like, preach. So what what was the message? Well, I don't really have a lot of followers. So you have a lot of followers. I have like 2,000. That's a lot. It's totally fine. For a person? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a lot of people. (laughs) Well, usually, like, when I post... Yeah, so 60 people. I had known that something... That we were on to something. Yeah. And that this was really some conversations that the community needed to have. So, basically, I stopped having one-on-one clients back in November. So, I already started to feel like this wiggle room of being like, ooh, I can kind of, like, show up here with, like... (laughs) Without anybody like caring, right? Right. Nobody you can gonna get your, mad at me, right? I mean, like, and if they do, fuck them, right? Yeah. They're not paying you. Exactly. Like, they can be mad at you on the internet. That's fine. Yeah. Block me. I don't care. <laughs> right. I dare you. Block me. Yeah. So I started to feel the wiggle room, right, and like feeling into it around November, December, and then January. I really like stepped into it, and so basically on Thursday, the twenty second, or. 21st or something of January, I shared an Instagram story that I was moving and no big deal, right? But the (laughs) apartment that I had moved into was such a symbol of all these goals that I had been once needing to create a sense of belonging, a sense of safety, Mm. a sense of success. And the story was really about how I have reached this point in my life through these past two years of things crumbling where I don't need all these external things, you know, to make me feel worthy, Mm -hmm. to make me feel safe or that I belonged or that I'm lovable. And that's when you messaged me because Mm -hmm. so much of what previous clients that I've supported talk about is this concept that your self-worth is equivalent to the things that you have in your life. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was the truth. So I thought that a nice car or nice things or beautiful apartment was a sign of how worthy Mm. I was, how worthy myself. Right. Right. Standing in your worth. Standing in my worth. (laughs) Manifesting the things. Right? Because I'm so worthy. Right, right. Of course, because you're you're at the right vibration. You're at the right frequency. Right, Amanda? Yeah. You're owning your worth mm-hmm. and you've done your inner child work mm-hmm. to know that you deserve those Gucci loafers. On a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> you're reprogramming your brain for wealth and abundance. Right. Because that's the only thing. You know that you've done the work when you're calling in wealth and abundance. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, only that. That's, <laughs> that was that's sarcasm. That was heavy sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay, so I was like, yes! I'm like a not a manifestation fan. And mm-hmm. this has been my gripe for a while. I try to be quiet about it because relatively quiet about it. Because I feel like 
some of the teachings around quote unquote manifestation and law of attraction, some of them are useful, right? Of like gratitude, doing your own inner work on things like shadow work and knowing yourself and knowing what matters to you. But this like misconstruing of I'm a more evolved, elevated, self-individuated person because I have a beautiful house. Like that that's proof that you've done the work is so ass backwards to me. And like, it feels so wrong and it feels so predatory because it's preying on people who have been marginalized by capitalism and systems of oppression and saying like, well, if you only do the self-work enough, then those things won't be a problem for you anymore. When in fact, that's not true. Yeah. It's very harmful. It's very harmful. I mean, I got caught up in it. I'll be the first to admit that I thought that all that needed to happen. And what I realized when I was doing that work, I'd love to share my practices because they're just so much more grounded and they don't really have any of that type of energy towards it. (laughs) But when I was doing that, I would experience extremely high highs and then extremely low lows. And so it always felt like I was on this like wild roller coaster Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't live my life like that anymore. And then, so I stopped doing all of those things and I just was able to really find my own flow. And I've actually, you know, the whole reason why I'm so passionate about it now is because like I reached all my goals. I got those things. Mm. And for me personally, that did not make me feel like I was more worthy. Right. If anything, I was just kind of living in this false sense of security box that I just had a lot of bills to pay on it. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what am I doing all this for? And it wasn't for what I felt to be, you know, happiness and inner happiness and inner acceptance and this self-love without having anything external tell us that Mm -hmm. we, you know, you need to do X, Y, and Z or have X, Y, and Z to feel that. Mm -hmm. That's why I feel like it's so harmful. Yeah. And because entire brands have been made upon this idea, right? But like Instagram, the internet, where we're showing aspirational lifestyles and wellness influencers and teachers and practitioners, that's integral to their branding, right? Oh, you have to have the wide brimmed hat and the white walls and the fancy crystals and the most beautiful, expensive, but like, you know, down to earth outfits. You have to have this look and feel in order to be taken seriously. Or in some way, it like exerts your dominance in the space because you're able to have it all. And people get caught up in that aspiration, right? Of like, of course that life looks beautiful. It looks so peaceful. It looks amazing. Wow. Yes. But that's not the same as like knowing yourself and deepening your own spiritual practices. It's not necessarily disconnected, but they're not one and the same. They're not interchangeable. Like meditating for 20 minutes twice a day isn't going to get you a house in Topanga Canyon. It's just not. Yeah. No, you're, you're completely right. And I mean, I, I was behind the scenes and helping all of certain brands visions come to life. Like I helped them figure out what pieces from a content perspective of, you know, there's business coaches and other things from a content perspective, I would come in and help them understand from my experience of that's what my background is in content creation, how to amplify their vision and their goals and (laughs) give yourself a little more credit. I mean, like, I feel like 
the brands that you've blown up, like at least four huge brands that are now huge, at least. Yeah. yeah. And took them from like rinky dink, they're taking their own photos and making their website on Squarespace themselves to like full on media companies and yeah. brands that are raking in lots and lots of dollars, often because of their message now, not because of what you've done, capitalizing on people's correlation to self-worth and wealth. And you were able to see with your brilliant manifesto brain, like actually like here's the strategy behind the content. Cause you're not just, you weren't just like making content, Amanda. You were like, here's what we need to do in order for more people to see and understand where this comes from. I mean, like I can say this as your friend, you got taken advantage of from a bunch of those people. Yeah, I've definitely was behind the scenes and then, yeah, not very public about how it all came together. People would refer me, which is why for so many years I was never had to market myself. Yeah. So that was kind of the way that, you know, people would thank me, I guess, is through <laughs> referrals. But like sometimes referrals to shitty people. It's unbelievable. Like that's why I'm starting to create my own stuff because I've been able to actually work behind the scenes with so many holistic wellness practitioners and able to see and experience the real side. Mm. And I am, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting hot. Yeah. I'm getting hot. <laughs> there have been some pretty bad experiences, pretty oh. bad experiences. Uh, yeah. Like the incongruencies with the public persona, with the imagery, with the even the language that like I know that you've experienced behind the scenes that I've experienced as, you know, someone also in the industry, not working directly under these people, but either being in the same room or whatever, having conversations with them. It is so gross. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I would have to stop working with a client midway. I'd have to break my contract. Like either something that the, the way that they would treat me, the way that they would talk to me, I understand that I'm coming in and I'm making them a little bit uncomfortable, right? Like mm -hmm. they've hired me because they are maybe they not can't happy do it. with where they yep. are or they yeah. want to be showing up in a different way. And so I understand that I'm coming in in a very sensitive capacity. Right. I also like as a manifest, I can feel when something is off or when I feel like someone's not authentic or something. And I can't hide that also. Yeah. So at the same time, if they're not authentic, it's kind of going to be mirrored back and it's not going to be a good yeah. experience. Like, honestly, like I didn't even think that this was going to happen when I was consulting for people, but that's why I'm just starting to do my own thing now, because I've seen behind the scenes of so many inauthentic people mm -hmm. that I refuse to stand behind them anymore mm -hmm. because it's just too incongruent for me. I've got into this to help spread real healing to the masses. That's mm -hmm. like been my tagline for yeah. Ocean Forever. Like we create scalable content so that you can help heal others mm -hmm. and help spread your message. Yep. When I started to see that it wasn't authentic or the person behind. Yeah. I just had to stop because it just, it didn't feel right. I was now stepping over my values to work and I refused to do that. So, yeah. And I feel like people got away with that. Like people. And they uh, still are now. And they still are. Oh yeah. I feel like everyone was like, oh, that person's so sweet. I'm like, no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But that's a story for another day. Like I do think though, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like people are waking up to yes. what is real because so many of these 
wellness and well-being brands that are not authentic, that are in it for just accruing more wealth. And like, let me be really clear because we talk about money a shit ton on this podcast. You need money in order to exist in the world because we live in capitalism. And so you need money in order to get your needs met. And you also deserve to have your needs met. You deserve to have a house that you love living in. You deserve to have food and shelter and healthcare and all the things. You deserve all of that and do not have to worry about where your next paycheck is going to come from. And that's different than exploiting people's weaknesses and fears, especially around money and putting a veneer of wellness on top of it. Yeah. With the ultimate goal to reach your own yeah, big... Exa- yes, like- exactly. Because you want to buy that million do- $2 million yeah. house or whatever it might be. That's so gross. Yeah. And that's when I started to get kind of weary about my offerings and things like that, because I was like, they're not using this tool with Mm. the same authenticity that I am intending to create it for. Mm -hmm. Like it started to become like this monster of like, Ooh, she can help you create like a seven figure business. (laughs) And then, but that formula is it can't work for everyone because you have to energetically, like you have to be like, mm, it, if you're inauthentic, that's obviously not going to work. Like something's going to crumble down the line, whether it's today or in f- mm-hmm. a few years, mm-hmm. the truth always comes out. Yep. So it may last for a minute or a few years, but it's not sustainable if it's not founded in the right integrity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. I can't create scalable content anymore for inauthentic people or brands or having the wrong intention for, you know, what their purpose is. Like if you're not actually out there wanting to help people, you shouldn't be <laughs> doing what you're doing. No. And it's so tough because I don't want to be a dick and I don't want to call this, these people and brands out, but I also feel so bad for everyone who falls into it, right. And falls mm-hmm. for it. And I feel like that's what you said. Most of the DMS were people were like, Oh my God, the same thing happened to me. I was following this person and I thought I would be feel good when I had all the special flower essences and the blah, blah, blahs and the crystals. But now I'm like oh, yeah. even feeling more empty than before. Oh, yeah. I mean, I almost feel like I need to go back and screenshot all of them yeah. to reread them and really have every message sink in because I'm not just saying like, like, yay, or like little heart. Like these were paragraphs, if not multiple different messages that were coming into my direct messages of saying like, this resonated with me. I'm going through this right now. And it was all around this idea that these external things, they don't provide that self-worth. They never did. They never did. And that's the really problem with, with any healing modality that's out there is like, it's, if it, that's what it's selling you, mm. it, it's on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, going back to what you're saying, like what you are creating and the little people, like my little community that I have You've big of community, conscious yeah. people doing it the right way from people who are willing to go to those places that are uncomfortable to open up new pathways mm-hmm. for being that's where the change is going to happen. So mm-hmm. everything that you're doing and other people in their own industries, if it's founded in integrity, which I think a lot more people are becoming aware of what that feels and looks like, mm-hmm. that's how we start to create a massive change for inclusivity and to make more people feel seen, heard, mm-hmm. valued, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that old way is just on its way out. 
as with a lot of systems, <laughs> it's going to be a while, right? To yeah. like see the turnover happen, but I do see it happening and it will, you, you just can't fake all that. It's just, it will, it will fail in the long run if it's not founded on integrity. It's true. Carolyn Mess, my favorite, one of my teachers says, you can try to wear the mask or you can try to hold an archetype of who you are not, but eventually you will become too exhausted. You, yeah. It's too tiring to mm-hmm. not be who you actually are. So mm-hmm. it all comes out eventually. It does. I mean, I cross my fingers and, and pray that, that that's the truth because <laughs> I'm bitter because I'm a projector. So I have some bitterness. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I completely understand. I'm, and, and that's why, you know, starting this month, I started to show up differently and I started the mask that I had been wearing for so long got so exhausting. Mm-hmm. It was just so exhausting to just always be behind the scenes, helping everybody else, being quiet, not saying too much, not mm-hmm. really... And I'm not making any noise over here. Right. And as a manifester, that's that's completely opposite of what I'm here to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never felt more comfortable than I have in this year. And I'm doing everything that makes me uncomfortable. Like I made a list of things I'm afraid to do and I'm, I consciously am doing them. Makes you feel alive. Makes me feel alive. <laughs> and that's like really what I desire everybody to feel like. Mm-hmm. Like everybody should have that that sense of aliveness in their life. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's all uncomfortable. Living is uncomfortable. You know, whether yeah. <laughs> it's like, sometimes I'm like, I the fuck am I in a human body? Like, ugh, I'm so is. grateful. So grateful. But like, also it's so uncomfortable. Like being yourself is uncomfortable. Not being yourself is uncomfortable. But like when you're not yourself, when you hide who you are, that's a different kind of discomfort. That's like, there's no excitement in it. It's only fear. And when you're doing things like what you're doing that scare you, when you can add some breath in, like that's when you feel alive. And that's the difference between the two. One feels like dying and the other feels like living. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say in those moments, like when I was not able to express myself fully or when I had to like just kind of be behind the scenes so often for me personally, I did feel like a piece of me was dying. I felt like I couldn't express myself authentically, which is why like when you ask, like I went silent for a long time because I was just like, maybe this is just how I'm supposed to be all the time, kind mm. of depressed and like low energy. No. But that's not my real self. My real self is like actually quite expressive and quite comfortable in my own skin. And I'm desired to talk more about my past and and share that side of myself because so much of what people don't see is the darker, deeper side of my childhood, which made me who I am Mm. today of this like more softer, gentle, more kinder person because I never wanted to inflict pain on others because I just experienced so much as a child. So that's what I love to share more light on is what's and again, it's like the definition of a story, right? But what happened because of what happened? Does mm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's like the deeper layers. It's the deeper yeah. stuff that I'm really interested in because that, to me, feels like the substance of of who you are and what you're here to do. And so, so much of my approach is being able to understand that deep layer and then externally express that through content yeah. or whatever. And so... I'm just now being able to like do that for myself for the first time yeah. ever. Right. 
Well, because you feel safe to do so. And like, you've always created a safe space for others to do that, right? Like that's what you're incredible at. And you're such a good teacher and guide to someone who's trying to understand what their purpose is Mm -hmm. and diving deep to find that purpose and then excavate it through the content or what the product or the art that they make in that they put out into the world, right. To make the internal external, Mm -hmm. you're so good at leading other people through that and creating a safe container for them to do so because you've held so much pain yourself Mm -hmm. and you're able to look at every single person with empathy. I would guess like maybe even to a fault, if we think about the clients that you've worked with of like, you see the good in everyone, (laughs) the opposite. I I do. I feel so seen right now. This is why manifestors and projectors, like, Everyone get yourself a projector, basically. <laughs> get yourself a projector best friend and a manifester best friend. <laughs> it's so true, though. I think, you know, one of the quotes that just like keeps coming in my head every day is, we can't hold space for others if we're not able to hold space for ourselves, right? So oh, yeah. that depth that I'm able to hold for you is because I've been able to like hold that for myself with, mm-hmm. and then be able to look at all of my past shadows, whatever you want to call it, and be like... I still love myself. So going back to our story, it's like, if you have anything externally, that's not going to give you that sense of like self-love. Yeah. You're, you're like, it's, you're doing it in reverse. It comes from inside. And like, this is so trite, right? It's so obvious. It comes from inside, but like, it's been misconstrued so much with like spiritual evolution and wealth. And those two things are not intrinsically tied. It's not like the transitive property. No, you don't need anything externally to bring this sense of self-love to yourself. And that's what I intend on creating content to help people dive into more. Mm -hmm. And that was very hard for me to articulate. Like after all these years, I love you, Michelle. Cause like every time I'm like, Oh, I have a new mission statement. I'm going to send it to Michelle. And I'm like, yes, yes. I love it. Yes. (laughs) I've sent you so many iterations because it's so hard for me to feel like that's of worth, like that, Mm -hmm. that could be a business model, but Mm -hmm. as a manifester and being able to see all these things that didn't work for everyone else to be able to stand in my own truth and say, if I know anything, I can help in any capacity, right? I can show up and do the work, but it's never going to feel as aligned as what my true purpose and calling is. And so this awareness that I've had with being able to show up for myself and what I'm actually here to do, that's the kind of stuff that I want to empower other people with the tools to tap into, to discover, to start expressing. Mm -hmm. And so that's like where I'm at with all of this. So content creation is like so far from mm-hmm. the purpose of it. And I think, you know, through all these amazing tools that we have, like human design readings and all this kind of stuff, you're able to learn more about you. And my gift is being, is the way that I create. And that's formed through my personal, like human design chart, but also the experiences I had as a child led me to create. It was my therapy. Mm-hmm. So here I am thinking, I need to teach people how to create content but that's so far from the truth. It's how to express what's on the inside yes. that I'm most concerned about. I want that internal self to feel, feel so seen, heard, and valued that it's being expressed on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I think the definition of depression, right, is repression. Ooh. So oh, when we repress, that. 
Mm-hmm. We are depressed. And I spent so much of my life depressed. So like I'm same. I know all about <laughs> my it. My serotonin is sluggish at best. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I need like the clean, the clean diets right in front of us. Right. <laughs> so I was repressing so much of my truth and my life and my voice and my spirit. Mm. That's what I'm most passionate about helping people, you know, express is mm-hmm. if I can hold space for my dark messiness. I love saying this. I can hold space for yours. Right. And, and then to look at it with such love and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it's a really simple way to live, but it's the way that I'm most happy in this life Mm -hmm. and with my experiences and everything else just goes to the wayside when you are able to experience life with that type of perspective. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to sound cheesy and cliche, but coming from someone who never really like at the age of 18, I experienced contentment for the first time in my mm. life, like a sense of contentment. I was in a yoga class. I was in, I took a college course on yoga nice. actually. And before that moment, I remember never feeling happy or content. Mm. And I was like, I think I want to feel more of that. <laughs> so that's why I got into wellness wow. actually. Yeah. It was for my own health, my own mental health. Yeah. So I went in with the best of intentions, experienced a lot of shit along the way, Mm -hmm. got caught up in it and got tossed out and realized that none of that actually matters. And the deeper stuff is what I'm more passionate about. Substance. Make something of substance. Exactly. That's Ocean's tagline, which I love. Thank you. Amanda, you're so smart. You're so pretty. You're so deep. I love you. I'm real deep over here. Super deep. Do you have Scorpio in your chart? I think I do. You'd I have feel to, like you do. Like maybe Venus? Oh, okay. Nice. You're a little fireball like yeah. that. Thank you for sharing with us. I feel like we could talk for ages about this. Maybe we'll do like another podcast episode about all the things. Because I, I feel like another element is like, you're also, you've incredible style. Like you're so fash, you know, you just like have my personal style is like Amish grandma. Yours is like chic motherfucker. And so <laughs> I feel like that's like something interesting to even double click on of like, if you like aesthetics and design and beauty and art and like making art and we've equated luxury with and expense with style? How do we like miss, you know, deconstruct those things from each other? Like, and I don't really know the answer, but I feel like it's another hour long conversation that we should have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so much of, well, when I first got into the magazine industry, it was a fashion magazine. Right. All my, you know, unpaid internships (laughs) (laughs) and early first jobs were in the fashion industry. And I mean, I worked at a very high-end fashion label headquarters and I was making $35,000 a year as an executive assistant for three vice presidents in the creative advertising department. That should be illegal. That's not enough to live in New York. No, it's not. And they would require us to wear Oh, you had, to buy the, you had to buy the clothes. Yeah, I had to buy, buy the clothing. And although it was a wholesale, I never made enough money to save. I always felt very embarrassed by my clothes. Like I tried to shop at, and, you know, I'm very conscious of what I buy now and try to buy, you know, eco-friendly clothing. But back then when I wasn't making a lot of money, I had to shop at like Zara and Mm -hmm. all those fast fashion places because I had to show up and 
be in front of the owner of this fashion label, right. which I have a really funny story about that because he complimented me on a Zara skirt and I like <laughs> will forever take, I thought that was going to take that to grave, but like it's out now. <laughs> we'll tell you the name, but that was always very interesting to me. So I, I didn't have enough money to buy those nice things, right. but I was expected to look a certain way. And right. so it's so much. It's the same as in the wellness space, right? You have so to like, much. You, if you look a certain way, then we'll take you more seriously. Right. If you... Usually, like, let's just call it if you're like a white person where you're going to get taken more seriously because the wellness space is super racist. It's also like super cis sexist. And yeah, yes, it is fucking awful. (laughs) It's there are aspects that are awful and there are people doing amazing work to make it better. And you're one of those people like all of our North Noders are just like fucking Amanda's in the North Node. They're just they're doing that. There are people out there that are doing it. So if you're feeling alone or you're feeling like alienated by this space, I know that both you and I, I can speak for us. Yeah. I hope wanted to leave this wellness and well-being world and just mm-hmm. be like, fuck it. Double middle fingers. See you later losers. We're out. But there's like work to do here and we're, we're here and like mm-hmm. we can do that work mm-hmm. and we can make it better. We have the capacity to do so. Yes, we do. One day at a time. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. Amanda, where can people find you? Well, please join me on Instagram stories <laughs> at Amanda L. Chase. And if you're interested in learning more about working, you know, finding some of your inner authenticity and expressing that on the outside, you can come over to oceancreative.com. And that's really where you can find me. Next year, I'll be launching a conscious daycare center. Just in time for me to pop out a little, a little coconut. Well, that was the vision. (laughs) (laughs) So I will be launching that in 2022 to help children receive tools to become their most authentic self between the ages of zero and seven. So So you're such a G. Amanda, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Mm, Thank you for having me. I can't wait to be back. Okay. So that's our episode. I hope this got some wheels turning in your brain. And if you disagree with what we said, that's okay. If it really resonates with you, I hope it does. I hope you feel seen and maybe like we were able to put words to things maybe perhaps that you felt, but haven't been able to put your finger on. I'd love to continue this somewhat complex conversation with people who are much smarter than I am, like Amanda and and beyond. So if you've got a good suggestion of maybe someone who would be a great person to talk to about this, like hit me up on the Instagram. And if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends. Sharing is caring. And it really helps us get seen and heard by more people. We are a all women team at Holisticism. We are self-funded, women-founded company. And it means so much when you share this with your friends. It costs us money to make this podcast every week, which we happily do because we know and we got so many requests for these types of conversations and these types of learnings and to make them as accessible as we possibly could. So it's worth it. And it means the world to us when you share this with your communities and your people and you leave us feedback. So if you love this episode, go ahead and smash that subscribe button, hit the five stars on Apple podcasts, write a little review. It means so much and stay cool out there. I can't wait to hear what you think of this hot take. So I'll see you on the internet. Okay. Bye.